This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. So the Reds have their first piece of silverware this season in the bag. Istanbul penalties. I'm sure I've heard that before. A game that started on Wednesday evening and finished on Thursday morning, and it wasn't short of talking points. From Jurgen Klopp's starting eleven to the impact of Roberto Firmino. VAR, did Tammy Abraham dive? And of course, Adrian stepping in to be the penalty shootout hero. I'm Guy Clark. This is Post Game, where we'll bring you instant reaction from Istanbul. The Echo's Paul Gorst will deliver his verdict. You'll hear Jurgen Klopp's post-match press conference in full. And then, of course, it's time to hear from you guys, the supporters. So strap yourselves in, there's plenty to get to. And first, let's cross to Turkey to hear what Paul Gorst made of the night's entertainment. Liverpool are the undisputed kings of Europe after the Champions League holders beat the Europa League winners Chelsea on penalties at the Vodafone Park here in Istanbul. Uh, it was an interesting game, I thought Chelsea started the better of the two sides, um, they had the better openings. Olivier Giroud uh, deservedly put them in front, uh, finishing from close range after good work from uh, former Liverpool transfer target Christian Pulisic. Um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain started his first game since April 2018, it didn't quite work out for him on the left side of the front three. Uh, he was hooked at half-time for Roberto Firmino and the transformation was instant. Uh, the Brazilian international laid on the play for Stadio Mane to to restore parity and from then on Lippu were a lot better, Firmino was making everything happen, it was all gone through him, him and Salah linked up quite well um, and it was looking like it was going to be Lippu's day um, and then it ended up going to extra time, Sadio Mane with a, his second of the afternoon evening was a, a great finish with his instep from uh, more good work from Firmino and then um, a penalty from uh, St- Obviously, the referee, Stephanie Frappard, the history-making referee, the first female official to take charge of a major men's game. She uh, gave a penalty to the Londoners. Uh, it was debatable. I'm not too sure um, if it was, if I'm honest. Adrian brought down Tammy Abraham and uh, it was converted by Jorginho. Uh, neither team could find a winner in extra time and it went to penalties with Liverpool held in the live. Um, 5-4 eventually in the end. Going on to lift the Super Cup to... Uh, leaves everyone in no doubt as to uh, Liverpool's standard in the European game at the moment um, a great night for Jürgen Klopp and his players and it's uh, back to the domestic duty when they take on Southampton on Saturday afternoon The Echo's Paul Gorst with his post-match verdict here on the Blood Red channel well of course he spoke there about the boss Jürgen Klopp so time now to catch up with the manager's post-match press conference Jürgen, congratulations on the second European trophy with Liverpool uh, my question is uh, with linked with the famous story that the players will not or are not allowed to touch the pieces and they sign, uh, and they won Champions League and they were not allowed. Uh, so you now won uh, the Super Cup. Is there any new feature that you're going to open for your players? <laughs> Thank you. No. Actually, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. We play on Saturday again. We have to find a way um, to be ready for that game. After. 90 minutes, I think, um, when it was close to the final whistle, and, and Frank Lambert asked me, "Where do you play on? Where do you play and when do you play?" And I said, "Saturday, Southampton." So, oh. <laughs> congratulations! <laughs> and nobody wanted extra time tonight. And they play Sunday at home at Leicester, but they have played on Sunday, so there was no advantage tonight. But for the next game of us, uh, it was will be pretty tough. But we have to be ready again, and that's my present to the players that I help them recover. Um, that they are ready for the game and, and all the rest. They don't ask for anything like that. It was a big fight tonight and um, I didn't know before the game how good it will feel after the game when you win it. But it's brilliant, it's really big. 
the atmosphere in the stadium was outstanding. It, um, it showed us again how big this club is. Wherever we go, our supporters are already there. I don't know exactly how many fans were from Istanbul, but I can only say thank you Istanbul because it was just a brilliant atmosphere. Um, we would have loved to bring our weather um, to Turkey for one day at least, because it was really intense. But now it's done, we came through and um, we won it and the boys um, feel really good, I feel really good, so everything is okay. Volkan and Dorshevelle, I would like to ask my question in Turkish. Süper Kupayı kazanan ilk Alman teknik direktör olduğunuz maçtan önce bunun kaygılanmadınız, bu sizin için bir hedef miydi? Ve bunun Alman teknik direktörünün başka liglerde tercih edilmesi açısından etkisi olacak bir şey I didn't know that, so I, I never thought about things like that in my whole life. Um, it's nice, there must be a first one, so I'm sure I'm not the last one, because there are a lot of good coaches in Germany, uh, but it's nice um, to be there, but I don't see myself as a German, really I'm German and I like that, but I see myself much more like as an European, um, and I felt that tonight, uh, again, that we are all, when we are all have the same targets, then we are so close to each other and other in other parts of life it looks sometimes that we have different ideas, different targets, but um, as people we are all the same, we want all the same and we have when we have something so wonderful like loving Liverpool FC, um, then it shows that we could really be much closer together than we are in reality. So it's not about me winning it, it's about LFC winning it, winning it for all the people who support us and um, I can feel um, how much it meant to all these people and that makes me really happy. The red hat. The red hat. What did you say to us here, Chamberlain? Our football question. Um, I didn't, didn't say a lot to, to, to Ox. I don't think it's, it's, it, it was necessary because Ox, um, it was very, very important to have these minutes. Um, it's a position he can play. He can play much better than he did tonight, but that's how it is. And after a long period of, uh, after long injury, you have to find back the rhythm. And training is, it's already there. And now in the game, he had good moments, but of course not enough for his quality. But it was not about that. I, I knew it was a very, very intense. Well, I saw it was a very intense game, so it was clear that we had to make that decision because we didn't want to push him through. We want to give him the opportunity to to perform, to shine, if you want. And in that in that circumstances, on the position, it obviously was not um, as possible as as, as um, we would have wished. But that's uh, then my mistake and not his mistake, because I made the decision. So um, yeah, Bobby Firmino is pretty vital, but um, um, Sadimani can play that position as well. Divo played on that position really well. It's all they're all different. They all have different strengths. But um, I think for tonight, when a when a team, the opponent is kind of. Um, 
learns from the game and is um, um, gets used to what you do, um, then it's important that you can make a change. And it was a big change because Bobby is different to all other players in the world probably uh, in that position and helped us a lot. But it was for him really, really intense. It was not the plan that he plays tonight for the fact that 30 plus extra time, probably 80 minutes. That was not the plan how he had to play it. Um, and you saw it was hard for him as well. He had pretty much no preseason. He played after one week. That was the, is a problem for us a little bit that we it's our third competitive game where we had to throw in throw in everything um, to be um, on top of it. And um, so after the preseason we had um, we know that we have to improve a lot of things. We know that we see that, but a lot of things work with tonight. And we didn't ask that. But when we talk about football, I have to say it's really difficult. Um, the how late offside is meanwhile flagged because you constantly have the feeling if you, you defend it bad and it's no offside and you are already worried and angry before then the flag is coming and we don't know exactly are we high enough are we not high enough our view is not good enough from outside to see if it's offside or not in most of the situation then you see it's two three yards offside so it's brilliant defending but it doesn't feel like that's a real problem so either way they have to talk about this again how can sort that or we have to get used to it which is probably the more likely um, conclusion and um, that's it how is that we can play we will play better football but for tonight it was only about winning and uh, we did that we found again a way to win the game and that's big that's really big it feels incredibly big and uh, I'm really happy about that Gentlemen, the last I heard John Murray from the BBC. It's quite a story, isn't it, for your goalkeepers, for Adrian, who's only signed last week, and, and also Andy Lonergan as well to be part of a European trophy winning squad. Yeah, that's how it is. Yeah. I, I don't know where Adrian was two weeks ago when we played Man City. Um, and I, um, when I spoke to him the first time, he told me, yes, I have goalie coach and stuff like this. It was clear he will need time to get fit. Um, but we didn't have that time, so um, he has to be fit now, and he was fit. He was. Uh, he played an incredible game. He had sensational saves. Both goalies had that, but maybe from Adrian it's a bit more. It's a bit more surprising because um, um, without any, pretty much any preparation, with having 15 minutes, I don't know when he played the last game for West Ham. To be honest, so it's a while ago. Being ready like he was ready tonight is uh, is incredible, and he's not only. On the pitch, uh, a great person. So he showed me already that he's a, a proper, a proper personality in the dressing room as well. It was maybe louder than I was in half time. Uh, it wasn't allowed because I wanted to give some informations, but um, he was really on his toes. So and that, that was good and it's important and helps us. And um, he deserves that. Of course, in penalty shoots, always lucky. But the performance over the nine, over 120 minutes was incredible. Making the save for the penalty is, is the icing on the cake and um, it's wonderful. I, I saw now one time that he could really grab his towel before he started celebrating. That's special as well, so he obviously quick um, in mind and um, knows what he wants to do. Helped us a lot and he can be really proud of what he did tonight. We'll take three more questions. Gentlemen in the black shirt first. Yeah, so long hair and glasses. Yes. Yeah, yeah, what, what does it actually mean to you to, to lift this trophy to, uh, as a trophy for the for, for I asked I asked after the game again, Millie and Hendo, is that is that the 
how do people see that? They are not long enough in the country and was never in that game. So and they said, oh no, no, it's, it's a proper trophy. It's on the wall at Melbourne. So good. They have to draw it again, to paint it again, the, the, the wall at Melbourne, um, and um, bring another another number on the wall, 2019, and um, the picture or whatever. So it's big. I said I didn't know before the game how, how big it will feel, and now I know it, and it's it's, it's great. It's, if I would be again in that game, which would be nice because it would mean you won something before. Um, I would be now more experienced. But um, how's that? It's um, it's nice. Really nice, but um, not about me. It's not. I don't only say that. I mean that it's really about um, doing it for the people and from, from three opportunities or let me say four opportunities in the last three months. We won two. That's good. That's absolutely okay. And um, now let's carry on. Let's find. A, try to find a way to win on Saturday. Let's try to find a way the game after some Saturday after that. I think Southampton Arsenal is coming up, which is. Both will be incredibly difficult for, again, different reasons. I think only one team celebrated tonight more than us. That's probably Southampton. When they saw 90 minutes, no decision, let them go again. But, yeah, we will have to find a way and we will find a way to be uh, to be uh, really uncomfortable at least. And if you are that um, uncomfortable for the opponent, if we are that, then we can find a way to win the game and yeah, have now couple of hours time to think about that and that's what I will do after talking to all of you. This is Mehdi Rus, coach Iranian reporter from Islam News Agency. Uh, I have a question from you, sir. When uh, you were uh, at Dortmund, uh, you, uh, you had many fans in Iran and now you are uh, at Liverpool, you have much more fans in our country. What's your opinion about that? <laughs> that limits my, 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 my choice for making holiday, obviously, because wherever I go, people know me, and that's not too nice on holiday, to be honest. So, um, but um, I played I played together with two Iranian players, maybe you know that. Din Mohammadi and Tamuria uh, were my mates at Mainz. So I'm pretty experienced with Iranian players. Um, um, but apart from that, it's it's how I said it, it makes me doesn't help me if I become more famous in other countries. For me, it's only important that that our club um, is successful. And um, I love the fact that I saw after the Champions League final how many people in different countries, um, Iran, the Tehran, probably involved, um, watched our games and, and were happy about the results. So that makes me really happy. That makes me really proud. Um, all the rest is nice, um, but. How I said, doesn't help as a private person, which everybody knows you. So from time to time, it would be nice to, and I could hide myself a little bit, but that gets more and more difficult. Uh, how do you evaluate today the refereeing, and uh, what your opinion about the view of VAR? And uh, offsides. <laughs> so I told to the to the ref team after the game if they would have if we would have played like they whistled we would have won six 0 That was my absolute opinion. They played a brilliant game. I but I told her as well that I'm not happy with the with the penalty decision because I'm still not sure that it was a penalty. But not important anymore. Um, so that was good. They were really good. 
I have to say, I think whatever you could have thought before the game, but there was pressure on them like hell. It's a historic moment, and staying by yourself, stay calm, and do what you have to do. Decide very important things in a very difficult and intense game. I have, I couldn't have more more respect to be honest. It was really a brilliant performance. I spoke to the fourth official about uh, about uh, the late offside decisions. It's really difficult. I, I think really it's worth it to talk about again because it's like they have to wait. And I asked him, he said, "No, yeah, it's like the protocol wants us to do it, but it's just difficult to judge a situation in the game. You, you how can we see?" You? The player there, over there, it's not possible. So, you you think it's not offside? They play through. I think about two few situations when it was offside. They didn't whistle it, and then it was a corner at the end. It was like, Hah. so we have to. That's I'm not sure that that's already the, the finished article. Uh, hopefully not. If then we can't change that. Then we have just to get used to it, and that's how it is. But it feels strange in a lot of moments when you read because. If you think now about the game, you think, okay, well, they had really chances here and there, but a lot of these chances were from offside positions. So we have to not only delete that from the official stats, we have to delete them as well from the personal stats where you have it as well. I think they're shot here, they're shot there, uh, because you forget that it was clear offside. And that's uh, something I said, would be nice if they could talk about it again and have a proper look on it, and then maybe they can go back to the good old um, offside decision. Uh, if that would be possible, just it's offside, it's offside, flag up, go, and let's um, play in the other direction. Jurgen Klopp answering questions in his post-match press conference, brought you here on Post Game on Blood Red. Time now to get to you, the fans. Matt Whitty wants his say, but first up this evening is Mark Baker talking about the Reds' midfield blend. I felt they looked vulnerable, um, out of possession, and I thought the build-up with the ball um, under organised pressure from a top side um, was lacking. And it was something I touched on last season, really. But I think my take on on the off the ball organisation of Liverpool is that when I look at them, and it's hard to assess really unless looking at sort of an overhead view. It seems to me that they are trying to play a little bit higher up the pitch. They've been very vulnerable to third man runs in behind, so um, with a, with a real lack of pressure on the ball. Now the midfield for me distances of seams all over the place at times and the the man pressing the ball the cover and support offered by his partners have been nowhere near the, the cohesive unit that Liverpool require really and at times it's you fear for Liverpool every time the opposition get the ball at the moment and they're able to play through them so one thing I've, I've, I've tried to sort of understand in my head is well why is Klopp going about this? If he is playing slightly higher, and it looks like he is, what's his thought process and what's he trying to achieve from it? And for me, it comes, or the answer lies, in the makeup of the characteristics of his midfield players. So Liverpool got 97 points last season, obviously had a fantastic season. However, the underlying figures suggest that Liverpool should not have got that many points, should not have been that close to Manchester City. And probably should have, I think it was around, fell seven or eight points short of them. And there were some games in which Liverpool got fortune and were on the right side of a close result, which all good teams have. But ultimately, you wouldn't imagine that it's going to happen again and Liverpool can match that point total playing the same way. So I think what Klopp's trying to do is he's trying to look at the makeup of his players and, 
and see what best suits them. And I think if you look at the makeup of Liverpool's midfield, high energy, good at pressing the ball, good at getting around the pitch, mobile, good in short transitions. So what Klopp, I think, is trying to achieve is he's trying to achieve shortening the pitch for his side, uh, trying to condense the pitch with the back line pressing higher, players in the, the forward line in the midfield trying to be uh, narrower and tighter distances to be able to steal the ball back and feed the likes of Salah, Firmino and Manny, obviously where the, the strength of the team lies. Because that is what Liverpool's midfield is. It's, it's quick transitions, it's stealing possession, it's turning the ball over. Now, I believe that if Klopp had a player like Felipe Coutinho or a player of similar skill set and a player profile, he would not lend himself to adopting such an approach this season. Now, the moment for me, Coutinho comes on the market and is back available, Liverpool have to make it a priority in which to go out and try and try and bring him back to the club. Now, I don't know the intricacies of the deal, and I'm sure there's plenty of, of complications to it, no question. But if there was the slightest bit of, a bit of chance, then they should have explored every avenue to try and make it happen. And I think Klopp likes working with a, a close-knit group, and I think he places great uh, stock in the fact that when he signs players, he makes a success of them, and he's a manager who, who improves players, and he's brought in Naby Keita and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain since Coutinho's departure. And obviously they are players with very different characteristics, but ones that were brought in with the understanding, I would imagine, that Coutinho had gone, he wasn't coming back. There wouldn't be an opportunity to ever purchase the player again, such as his quality and obviously going to an elite team where you, fit, you felt he'd fit. But the fact of the matter is, the player has come back on the market, it seems, and, and, and is looking to be moved out from his club. Now, if Liverpool then have that player and acquire that player who can pick a lock, who can find a pass, who can, when Liverpool are in possession, hate the opposition... They would not have to focus their game on the quick transitions and win the ball back as high because they could they could hurt the opponents with the ball. Now, that for me would have took Liverpool onto the next level and made them a lot closer to Manchester City than I look at this current team and the characteristics of the players within it being over the course of this season, especially if he persists with not playing Shakiri, who is the one player who, who can find a pass albeit plays off the right-hand side, so plays off the side of the pitch. But he doesn't look like he fits into his plans and he's not going to accommodate him. So what you're looking for, essentially then, if you're looking for the one player that Liverpool lack, the the ability to have that bit of magic, that bit of innovation, you're looking for a player who can operate in the forward line at times. And you're also looking for a player who can play in a number eight position, one of the two number eights in the side. So in Coutinho's case, the inside left position, of the midfield, in which he finished long spells playing for Liverpool when he was the best player in the country before leaving, either as the highest left player or the, the inside eight, he fits all them bills. So when people talk about Liverpool potentially uh, looking for a player who can and can come in when any of the front three are, are injured or suspended, you wouldn't have to have that. You'd have a player who could play in a higher role if required, but also be a player in midfield as well. There's not too many who can do it. Coutinho's work rate and distance covered without the ball is comparable as well to, 
to players who play in that position and the idea that he'd be a, a I wouldn't say liability but almost a, a, a player, a luxury player is far-fetched. So it would change the makeup of how Liverpool play and I don't think it would be the case that Klopp would be toying with this idea of, of ad- adopting his tactics and changing them around like he is and it's all a consequence for me of not having that kind of player. We'll see how it plays out. Obviously, Liverpool are going to get more cohesive as the season goes on. Um, but at this moment in time, they look short to me in terms of amassing that points total again and getting the same maximum out of these players with that makeup of midfield. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Prior to kick-off, I was hoping for a Chelsea defensive performance like they showed at Old Trafford at the weekend where United were able to comfortably slice them apart time and time again but that was very far from how the game played out and defensively they were they were pretty solid really um, I thought in the first half Chelsea were by far the better team and probably a bit unlucky to, to only go in in, uh, in in one goal in one goal ahead I thought there was there were no signs of that defensive weakness uh, that they showed at Old Trafford at the weekend and and we struggled to uh, to pick a pass really uh, through their through their defensive lines I thought uh, their back line looked very solid I thought Kante was excellent at breaking up play and driving forward and one of those driving runs led to the uh, led to the goal with a through ball from Pulisic to uh, Giroud who who slotted home we had one or two chances Salah had a, a decent chance but there was a Good save from from Kepa to to de, to deny him, and then at half time Bobby Firmino came on, and I thought it was a really good example, perhaps more so to non Liverpool fans of just how important Firmino is to our side and the way that the the way that we attack. And I just thought he uh, he completely changed the the course of the game really in that in that ten fifteen minute period after half time he must have been involved in eight or nine really dangerous attacks including the goal that Mane scored three minutes after the restart. So that was just a really good example of just how difficult he, how difficult Firmino is to play, uh, is, how difficult Firmino is to mark. He, I mean, if you, if you, leave, him, um, if you leave him alone um, and don't go with him when he drops deep, then he just causes chaos and is able to pop the ball off to Salah and Mane on either side. If you... Um, if you do go with him, then it just leaves all that room in behind for Mane and Salah to, to run in. And he's got a decent chance of winning the ball anyway because he's a strong player and good, very good hold-up play. A little bit of an underrated side of his game, really. So, yeah, I just thought it was a, just a great example of what he brings to this Liverpool side. Even if he perhaps doesn't score as many goals as people from other other, other clubs might might think he should. But, yeah, he was just, a, he was just absolutely brilliant. And uh, my my man of the match, and easily our our most creative player on the night, even if it was Mane finishing off. I thought, aside from Firmino, our most creative outlet was probably um, the brilliant diagonal long balls from Van Dijk, uh, mainly to mainly to Salah. As the as the game wore on, I thought Chelsea came into it a bit more, particularly in the last ten minutes, and they had a very good chance uh, to to win it late on, with a curling effort from Pedro that Adrian made a very good save um, to keep out. And they went to extra time. Again, good link-up play between Mane and Firmino, and again back to Mane for the for the goal that put us in front just after the uh, just into the into the early part of extra time. And you thought, yeah, here we go, we're gonna we're gonna do this again and hold on. But it wasn't to be. A bit of a rush of blood from Adrian, who came flying across to try and cover the uh, the ball that uh, that Tammy Abraham got to, 
and there was absolutely minimal contact. Uh, but uh, I've got to say, in, in real time, I, I thought it was a penalty um, on the replay. Uh, probably not, but... Uh, these things, these things happen if you go if you go flying in like that. So uh, yeah, lifeline for Chelsea, and then there wasn't really much of a wasn't really much of um, yeah wasn't really much more action from from our perspective, and it went to penalties, and yeah, nine very very good penalties leading up to the miss from a uh, miss from Tammy Abraham with a, a just a great way for Adrian to mark a slightly surreal two weeks for him when he wasn't even a Liverpool player two weeks ago probably wasn't even on his radar that he might be playing for Liverpool and there he is saving the penalty to win the European Super Cup for the six times European champions anyway main concern is now is that the players can uh, enjoy enjoy tonight enjoy consolidating the European success and hopefully they're all fit and raring to go and not too exhausted from the playing the 120 minutes plus penalties in the heat and uh, yeah hopefully they'll be ready to go again against Southampton Matt Whitty with his thoughts here on post game coming shortly Sam but before we get to him let's hear what Ross made of the night's action Liverpool win yet another European trophy and hopefully this can set us up now for the season ahead thought we were dominant first 15 minutes or so Salah was lively we looked dominant you know, thought it was going to be a routine victory after what Chelsea had gone through at the weekend, absolutely hammered by Man United, but didn't obviously didn't pan out that way. First fifteen, like I say, we look lively, we look good, created a few chances, but Chelsea grew into the game, um, started to take over the midfield a bit, created quite a lot of chances, worryingly as in um, the Norwich game, um, quite a few uh, mistakes were made at the back. And they seemed to get in quite easily. And on another day, they could have had a couple of goals. And in the end, it was it was Giroud who who, who slotted the first goal and put one um, Chelsea one nil up at half time. And and it, for me, it was deserved deserved one nil lead. Um, we were sloppy. We made some really silly mistakes. And so we go in one nil down. Uh, a lot of work to do. And obviously, we come out. Mane scored within the first. I think it was in the first two or three minutes. The game's one-one, and you'd expect then from Liverpool, you know, to dominate a little bit more, insert themselves. But again, it didn't happen. Chelsea again take took over, and for my for my eyes, they were the better side. Created a little bit more. There was chances both ends. Don't get me wrong, but Chelsea, I was I was I was quite impressed with Chelsea after. Like I say, after what happened at the weekend, maybe they've had a bit of a wake-up call, what's needed. They did make a few changes, personnel-wise, a bit more experience in the side. But on the Chelsea side, I thought uh, Christian Pulisic, you know, their new signing, looks a really, really good player, technically very gifted. I know there's a lot of lot of teams linked with him. I think we were linked with him as well at one point. I think he's going to be a good player for them. And the lad that came on for them, Mason Mount, Looks a cracking player as well. Again, technically gifted. Scored a, had a cracking finish, which was disallowed by uh, an offside decision. But again, yeah, he looked lively. But you know, going back to Liverpool, we we, were, we got to the uh, full time one one, and then you're starting to think, you know, it, it doesn't really matter this now. It's it's a glorified friendly, it's a glorified charity shield. 
but you want to win it. Don't get me wrong, you want to win it. But then um, you start thinking, we've got a we've got, we've got a league game Saturday. You know these players are starting to look tired. But then extra time kicks off and we we get the goal again early for Mane. It's a tremendous finish from Mane. He was exceptional with his finishing. <laughs> what can't you say about Mane? He's, he's, he's incredible. He's a great goal. And you're thinking, yeah, we'll cruise on now and we'll, fin- we'll finish the job. And then a really, really harsh penalty decision, in my opinion. Adrian did come flying out a bit, but moved out the way. I don't think he touched him. Surprised it wasn't disallowed by the most hated thing in the world, VAR, but it wasn't. But So the penalty was given. They scored two two, and there was some tired bodies on that pitch. Then uh, in the last fifteen minutes, both sides really, really flagging, and so finished two two. And it goes to the good old penalties, and obviously at this point, like I say, it doesn't the results is, is almost irrelevant. But then, who pops up to be the hero? Adrian and. That's, that could be massive. That could be massive now, you know, the next six to eight weeks. We're going to be without our top keeper. Adrian's come in. And he's been under a bit of pressure. And, you know, he, he made a couple of saves in the game, flapped at a few things as well. But for, for him to come in um, and be the match winner, we've won the game, we've won the trophy... You could see what it meant to the lad at the end. He, he, you know, like 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 you were saying, like, like we were saying a few weeks ago, he didn't have a club, and all of a sudden he he's coming to be a backup keeper within ten minutes of his the first game. He's he's playing in the Premier League, and in his second game, he's lifting the trophy. He, he must be in dreamland. So that that's all positive. That's all positive, and it's great to see. You know, the celebrations, the scenes. You'll never get tired of seeing that, and. Let's just push on. The only the only concern, obviously, there were some very tired legs, a lot of people cramping up. Southampton on Saturday, I think it's three o'clock, very tight turnaround. I imagine there's going to be some changes. But, you know, it's a very early in the season, so we'll cope. Um, enjoyable game, like I say. Looking forward to the next one. Nice to have a little trophy tucked away in the in the cabinet, early doors. Let's just keep this going. Come on, Reds. Okay, so we've got the Super Cup final. And it's a big deal for me. You know, there's trophies on show. I've seen other Super Cups in the past. And, and we've won them. And it's meant a lot. And there's pride at stake. And there's a trophy at stake. And it was worth winning. You know, and I thought the... the I must admit, the team that went out, I didn't agree with it. Um, and again, like I always say, that that that's probably why I'm I'm one of the ones watching. I'm I'm not one of the the people who's in the dugout because they know more than me. But I don't think Gomez is very good right back. I think he's probably one of our best centre halves. I think his pace and recovery and timing and everything is brilliant centre half. When he's right back, he's always tucking in too much, and then leaving a winger exposed a little bit. And just looks like he wants to be in the middle. But the main thing is he he just doesn't offer that threat going forward. And what Liverpool tend to do with their with their system is the three midfielders in the middle, the two fullbacks jump up as a five in midfield virtually, and then Firmino can come deep, 
and you'd have Salah and Mani coming in from wide into central, and you'd have a you'd have a system going on. You'd have a cog, you'd have a load of cogs turning, and that's how it all works well. And when people say let's have a, let's buy all these attacking midfielders to score goals, one extent I agree with them. But if you've got that all that team mechanism working, why do it? Because the three players in midfield are working hard and doing the graft so that the the strikers can get the ball and do the do and make the most of it. So that's fine. But what I didn't agree with today was we went and played three midfielders who aren't going to create or score and then we played another midfielder in the midfield three. So we ended up losing a little bit. Now, I felt a bit sorry for Oxlade-Chamberlain because when he's played at the apex of the midfield three, I think he's probably been at his best and right before he got the injury there in the Champions League, I think it was against Roma on the build-up. You know, he was, he was really playing his best game and he's been out for a long time. And I thought he showed a few little spurts there. but And I felt a bit sorry for him coming off because the people who come on, like the likes of Wijnaldum, what's he going to offer? So, overall, I think Adrian made a couple of good saves and, and made up for that lad because I don't think it was a penalty. He pulled his hands away, didn't really make any contact. And, he, you know, you can see replays and replays and you can see that happening. And Abraham went down and you can sort of not blame him. But then I was feeling sorry for him when he missed the pen. But then I sort of thought, well, he went down for the pen there. We would have won in a normal time but for that. But that's something that he's got to learn. And I didn't fancy us on pens because, you know, we we've been beat lately on pens a few times, City in the league, Cup and the Shield, and others, you know. But you know what? You just got to win it, and just what I hope today, we've just got to enjoy it because it is it is a cup. I mean, you know, the Champions Wall at Melwood has got Super Cup on. It's got no shield on it, you know, and it's littered now with. We've got more trophies than Man U major trophies, and that's brilliant. But I think we've got to learn from this game today. And this is what it's all about. We're only on early doors here. We don't need to get too critical. You know, we're on early doors. Um, but we need to learn for the season, for the next game and the game after. And I think it might do us well because I thought we looked a bit we looked a bit leggy first half. And it was all in fits and bursts. And listen, we've got the Super Cup and made up we won it. And let's just go on to the next game. But we're on the south coast now on Saturday, you know, there's not much to play there, but listen, people say you don't get much rest and blah blah blah. These are super fit athletes here and if you all us normal people have got to go to work every day and and, 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 and do a lot more work than what they do. So yeah, it's still to convince me over all the tiredness scenario, but listen, Saturday's the next game, won the cup, great. Next game, let's go and win that and shake it from there. Tammy Abraham and Adrian dominating the opinion tonight. I get the feeling that this may be the first, but it won't be the last time we hear you guys debating VAR this season. Well, plenty of you have had your say on exactly that talking point on the Blood Red Podcast Facebook group. If you aren't a member, do get involved. Some great talking points going on in there. Again, as always, thanks to you guys for making it such a vibrant community. Well, let's get back to the reaction, though. And coming up at Owen and Matt Addison. But first, let's cross to Simon. Simon, where are you? I'm speaking to you live from Istanbul. 
which sadly is the name of my local Turkish restaurant, which happens to have the game on TV tonight. So the UEFA Super Cup final, um, in it we have the classic game of where winning isn't actually important unless, of course, you win. As victors, Liverpool will, of course, claim the first major trophy of the season, whereas as losers, Chelsea will play down the significance of what is not much more than a mere friendly. But as ever with me, it's all about these marginal gains. I sometimes wonder whether I could change my name by deed poll to Mr. Marginal Gains. These little psychological advantages that I believe cumulatively at this level can make the difference between actually winning trophies in leagues or being also runners and runners-up. So by this reckoning, by my reckoning, tonight was a great success for us. It's another big confidence booster ahead of the long, hard season to come. It would not have felt nice having lost two finals, if you like, in two weeks, both on penalties. One of the biggest bonuses of winning the Champions League a couple of months ago was to get the monkey off Klopp's back of getting to finals but never winning them. And here we are with a second piece of silverware in the cupboard and so soon after Madrid. It's because Liverpool are now becoming a team that know how to get over the line and win things. And this can only bode well for our dreams of winning the Holy Grail come May. Well done, boys. Great victory tonight. Very important major trophy we've just won. Now let's get them home, get them rested, and go again on the south coast on Saturday. Let's get a win against Southampton, keep the momentum going, and hopefully come May, we'll be lifting the one we all dream of. Well done, Liverpool. Hi, this is Owen from Cop On Podcast. I've got a whisper because I'm visiting my mum and she's in bed. Uh, so, um, in conditions that were sweatier than last month's dodgy kebab meat, the Turkish delight all belonged to one man, didn't it? The obvious choice. The guy who changes the numbers on our champion's wall. Give him a texto again, Kloppo. Bring him in. We need him to change that three for a four. As Hendo said, we kept grinding, we kept going, and it's important for us to keep winning these trophies. And what a lovely feeling it is. I love the momentum we seem to be on. This is lovely. In Madrid, we shed the old skin of always being viewed as the losing finalist and having lost the community shield on penalties to City already this season. I felt as if, oh, I didn't want to be tarred with that brush had we lost tonight. But no, free transfer, Adrian. Wonderful, wonderful stuff to save that final penalty. We've got a new hero. Welcome to the club. And Chelsea, uh, why spend 80 gajillion on a goalkeeper when you can just get them for free? Um, As for the match itself, I mean, this was more of an exhibition match at times. The pitch wasn't that good. It was hard for us to keep the ball and then in extra time. What the heck? It's the point of extra time they're just strolling around completely exhausted i hope fabinho is okay
The referee was brilliant regardless of gender. Even that controversial call in extra time was indeed actually a penalty according to the rules. Uh, so she was right to call it. Um, although frankly of course it wasn't a penalty to any sane person. Uh, but uh, even so at this point who gives a fondue? Liverpool move on up and to be honest because Nobody wants to be frank. I think we deserved it, didn't we? This is Owen from Cop On Podcast saying onwards and upwards. Champions, champions, champions. Oh, winning, winning, winning. Oh, this feels lovely, jubbly. Hello, it's Matt Addison for the post-match podcast after Liverpool won on penalties in Istanbul once again. I thought Liverpool didn't play particularly well tonight, perhaps because of the heat, but in the end, the result is all that matters, and Jordan Henderson can lift a trophy above his head once again. Hopefully that won't be the last time he does that this season, and to be honest, I don't think it will. As I said, I don't think Liverpool played particularly well tonight. That first 15 minutes was quite good. We probably should have had a penalty for handball. I'm not quite sure why the VAR didn't have a look at that, but I thought generally the referee had a a slightly odd game. Um... But luckily Liverpool got through in the end and it didn't matter. After that first 15 minutes though, it's kind of all fallen apart for the rest of that first half. I thought it was a similar display in some ways to against Manchester City in the Community Shield. Uh, But at Wembley, Liverpool were playing a much better team than Chelsea. Tonight it was a bit more strange. There wasn't really any mitigating factors in terms of the opposition. There was no Leroy Sané to cope with. There was no David Silva or Kevin De Bruyne. This was a Chelsea side that got beat 4-0 at the weekend. And Liverpool started to make them look good. It was a strange one, but by half-time, I think Jurgen Klopp probably had a word. For Roberto Firmino came on as well. He was excellent and he changed the game. Salah and Mane looked sharp, so that was a positive. And with Firmino's immediate impact to level the scoring, that's what set us up for the rest of the match. I thought Joel Matip had a a really strange game, as he so often does. In that first half, he was absolutely fantastic, the opposite to the rest of his teammates. But in the second half, it was a complete turnaround. I thought he was poor, whilst everyone else improved, he got worse. He gave the ball away six or seven times in quite dangerous areas, and he took a few too many risks. Normally he does that and gets away with it, but for whatever reason, maybe it was the pitch, maybe it was the heat, he didn't quite manage that today. It was a strange one, and to be honest, I'd have played Trent Alexander-Arnold. I wasn't surprised to see that Gomez played at right back, but I'd imagine for Southampton on Saturday, Matip will drop out, Gomez will shift to the left, and Trent will come back in. I thought Sadio Mane was great today, that second goal in particular, absolute quality, but he was never going to last 120 minutes. It wasn't the only thing that he did. I thought his dribbling and his technique, his ability, um, as much as his fitness isn't quite there at the moment, that's obviously never going to go away. The other big talking point, of course, was that penalty that Adrian gave away. There's an argument that he shouldn't be diving in in those circumstances, but for me, there was absolutely no contact made there. Tammy Abraham goes down expecting contact, but there just wasn't any. Um, And quite how the VAR didn't overrule that, I'm not too sure. It just goes to show that even with VAR in place, talking points will certainly still exist. By the end of the game, I thought Fabinho looked leggy. Van Dijk was limping in his interview at the end. And Sadio Mane, as I said, is only just back. So there's lots of question marks ahead of Southampton on Saturday. I am slightly worried about that game. That's obviously the bigger priority now. But 
for tonight at least, the Reds can just enjoy winning another European trophy in 2019. The main point, though, is that there shouldn't have been extra time there. It's a shame that we didn't get the result in the 90 minutes and could get home a little bit earlier. But at the very least, Liverpool should be buzzing on Saturday. Um, Loads of confidence gained from tonight. And hopefully this isn't the last trophy that Jordan Henderson lifts this season. And that rounds us off nicely. Jordan Henderson lifting number six high into the Madrid night sky back in June. And now the new season's well and truly underway with the UEFA Super Cup heading back to Anfield as well. Of course, it's now a quick turnaround for the Reds before travelling to Southampton on Saturday. That's a 3pm kickoff down at St Mary's. Before that, though, there'll be plenty more fallout from Istanbul. Ale La Rouge with Peter Hooten as well as our Blood Red offering on Friday for you. We'll be back with post-game on Saturday night, though, and until then, keep an ear out for us on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or wherever you get your audio on demand. You can also keep an eye out for us now with our Blood Red output available via YouTube as well, so do check that out if you haven't already. This has been Post Game. I'm Guy Clark, and thanks to you for getting your post-match reaction with us here on the Blood Red channel. Until next time, bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.